Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Are you caring for an aging parent? Are you searching for answers? Welcome to Senior Care Live, a program dedicated to you, providing information, education, and resources, helping you become the best caregiver you can be. I'm your host, Steve Keeker. Hello and welcome to Senior Care Live. I'm Steve Keeker, President of Senior Care Consulting. Thanks for tuning in today. I really appreciate it. And as you listen to this program, just please know you're joined by thousands and thousands of other people who are interested in this very same subject matter and information. So as I look at this, we are all in this together. Our mission is to provide you the information, education, and resources for caring for an elderly loved one, for everyone who is caring. And we're, t- we have, and I share this information, uh, you know, fairly regularly, but we have over 350,000 individuals. And that's just right here in the KC, uh, uh MSA. So it, I need to calculate that for our extended reach, uh, going out to the, the broadcast reach of Talk 980 AM, but caring for over 400,000 elderly loved ones. So, I mean, look, this is just a huge, huge, huge subject and we're here to help you. And our uh, listening audience it really includes both the baby boomers who are providing care for their aging parents and other elderly loved ones. And it also includes directly the seniors themselves who are preparing for their own needs and their own personal situation. So if you're listening on the radio, you're streaming us online, or you're listening to a podcast, again, thank you so much for being here today. You can reach out uh, to us on our toll-free number. It's one 800 331-6445. Again, that's 1-800-331-6445. You can also visit online at Senior Care Live, L-I-V-E, SeniorCareLive.com. It's a great website. Be sure to connect socially uh, with us on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Those are the two primary ones. We do a lot of communications through there, so you don't want to miss out on anything uh, through social media, if if you're into that sort of thing. So <laughs> anyway, all right, last week I mentioned that uh, I was going to talk about long-term care insurance, and I didn't want to cut this topic short. This, is, uh, uh, this fits very uh, well into one of our primary categories of how to pay for senior care, and I wanted to give it an enough time and and do a good job uh, for you. So I put that off until this week. And so we're going to talk quite a bit about long-term care insurance and how important it is, how it works, why you need it, who needs it, when you need to buy it, everything you need to know will be very thorough. Uh, and then uh, I may, if time allows, uh, I may provide a consumer alert. Uh, if I could type that out, I would say grr <laughs> on that one. So if we have time, I'm going to uh, provide a consumer alert. Uh, and then we're going to have a great guest on uh, in the second half of the program. So you definitely want to stay tuned. But first, long-term care insurance. It's very misunderstood. I think, frankly, it gets a little bit of a bad rap out in the, uh, uh, out in the community. 
So what is long-term care insurance? Well, it's a special type of insurance coverage that specifically helps pay for long-term care and don't don't do that and it's easy to do this i understand it's like medicare and medicaid people use those two terms interchangeably but they're extremely different uh things so this is not your health insurance uh, medicare pays very very little uh and, and most of the times none zero dollars for long-term care so this is not your health insurance this is long-term care insurance so what does it pay for well, pays for long-term care, and that includes four primary categories. You know, back in the day, it used to be, back in the 90s when they started this, it was just a nursing home policy. And boy, that sounds exciting. Hey, do you want to buy nursing home insurance? No, thank you. Okay. And so, and you wonder why it wasn't very uh, successful. Uh, so it was a start and a lot of people bought it. Most people didn't. Uh, not very sexy or exciting running out buying a nursing home policy. But today they're so much more flexible. Long-term care insurance today will help you pay for adult daycare, home care. So that's in-home assistance assisted living level of care, and, of course, the nursing home level of care. So it pays for all four of those. Now you're talking, and now we have some options. So how do you qualify? And so can you just buy long-term care insurance and it just starts paying you money like a slot machine? Uh, No, absolutely not. There has to be a need. Okay, so in most policies, the trigger to uh, to turn on that that flow of money back to you in the form of a benefit is needing some assistance with at least two activities of daily living. If you ever hear the term healthcare is full of too many acronyms, I call it acronymology. <laughs> but uh, if uh, uh, if you ever hear the term ADL, so we all your ADLs. Well, what is that? Well, it's an activity of daily living. So. It could be several things, but long-term care insurance policies focus on these six. And if you need help with two of them that or more, that will trigger the flow of dollars back to you in the form of a benefit. Right? So we have mobility or transferring. So you're able, your ability to ambulate or transfer from position A or point A to point B. Uh, if you need help with bathing or showering, that's another ADL or another trigger. Incontinence care, that's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, help using the toilet, uh, uh, that's pretty self-explanatory. Eating, so preparing your meals, uh, you know, cutting up your meal, uh, your food, maybe even helping you eat, that's, uh, that's an ADL and then getting dressed. You know, when you're 80 and 90, you just don't bend as well as you do when you're younger. And, and sometimes your hands may have, you know, are, they may be arthritic and maybe you don't have the dexterity to button your buttons or, or zip, uh, you know, zip up a, a dress or something like that. So, uh, so that, that becomes, uh, more and more of a challenge. So if you need assistance with at least two of those activities of daily living and you're paying for that assistance, there's your trigger. Okay, long-term care insurance policies, uh, you know, they seem complicated. Uh, so, you know, what is the right combination of features and benefits for you? And, and they can be complicated. It's kind of like a puzzle. So you have to put all of your features and benefits together to form the right combination for you and your needs and your desires. So I start off with what is the benefit amount? I mean, if it's going to pay, you know, 30 bucks a day, forget it. It's just, it's just not, enough it's not even close 
I recommend a benefit amount of $200 per day. More is better. Well, Steve, that sounds like a lot. That's 6000 a month. Why do you say that? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so uh, $200 a day will pay for a nursing home level of care, and you're covered. So, you know, worst case scenario, you need the highest level of care. You move into a nursing home. You're, that's going to pay for the majority of the places, at least in our region, uh, that's going to pay for a full amount of your uh, stay in a semi-private room in a nursing home. So that's where I come up with the $200 per day. I recommend a 30-day elimination period. I don't know who in the heck came up with, let's call this an elimination period. Well, it's a deductible. That's the number of days you will pay for the care before uh, this policy will start paying. So most human beings would refer to that as a deductible. You, you can see 60-day elimination periods, you know, 90-day elimination periods. Uh, I worked with some clients this last week. They had a 100-day elimination period. This is where you can... uh adjust your monthly premium. So just like your homeowners or car insurance, the higher the premium, or excuse me, the higher the deductible, which means you're going to pay more out of pocket if there's a claim, then the lower your premium. So um, so that's an area where you might have a little wiggle room there. Uh, I adamantly recommend you have to have this, the 5% per year inflation protection rider. So I had a, a a client, long story short, they were excited. They had long-term care insurance. It paid $100 a day. That's $3,000 per month. Now, the challenge here is that her husband needed a nursing home that was going to cost 6000 per month. He's $3,000 short, and they did not have the assets to make up that balance between what the long-term care insurance paid and the uh, uh the cost of the nursing home they didn't have that 3000 a month to supplement it immediately had to qualify for medicaid and essentially they've just paid 20 years of long term care insurance premiums with no benefit so uh, so that's don't don't make that mistake don't make that if they would have had the 5% insurance uh, uh the inflation protection rider they would have been sitting pretty it would have covered the whole amount so be sure to get that and then i recommend a 5 year term Longer is better. Uh, the average length of stay in assisted living, depending on what uh, what study you you read, uh, the one that I like says it's 2.4 years. 59% of those residents will graduate to the higher level of care, the nursing home level of care, where the length of stay is within days, 2.4 per uh, 2.4 years. All right, so 2.4 years in assisted living. will need another 2.4 years in the nursing home. Boom, there's your five years. And you want to make sure that it fully covers adult daycare, home care, assisted living, and the nursing home, all at the same level and not less for uh, home care or assisted living. I see a lot of policies that may pay $150 for uh, the the nursing home level of care, and it may pay half of that or maybe $75 for home care benefit or an assisted living benefit. So just make sure, if you can, just make sure. I, I prefer these policies to pay the same for all the levels of care because guess what? Assisted living will cost you between five and $6,000. It's about the same price. So you want to be really, really careful with that. So I'm going to continue on with my recommendations for long-term care insurance in the next segment but first let's not forget about the senior care live question of the week so here it is between age 70 and 79 
the percentage of long-term care insurance applications that are declined are A, 7%, B, 14%, C, 23%, or D, 45%. The answer right after the break. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll-free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information about this program and how we can help you and your family, call our toll-free number anytime. That's 1-800-331-6445. Again, 1-800-331-6445. And don't forget, uh, this program will stream live to any electronic device. If you have an Internet connection, you are in business. Just go to SeniorCareLive.com. Click on the Listen Live button. It'll stream straight to your phone, your tablet, your computer, whatever you have. It really is that simple. All right, so let's get back to the Senior Care Live question of the week. Between age 70 and age 79, the percentage of long-term care insurance applications that are declined is, right, so these percentages are declined. So A, 7%, B, 14%, C, 23%, and D, 45%. And the answer is D, 45%. Holy cow. So in this, so that's a good setup for this segment. So I'm going to continue on. I'm going to tell you about, uh, you know, when is the right time to consider purchasing long-term care insurance. And I'm going to talk about some of these, uh, uh age ranges and then the, uh, uh, the decline percent. So, uh, so let's back up here a little bit. And I want to stay in order here because I, I really thought this out. You want to make sure your state, your uh, long-term care insurance policy is a state partnership policy. And what that means, this gets really complicated. I'm not going to drill down too far into this, but let's just use Kansas for an example. To qualify for Medicaid in Kansas, you have to spend your liquid assets down to $2,000. So you're just about broke. And then Medicaid is that safety net that says if you run out of assets, you outlive your assets, Medicaid will pay for your stay in a nursing home. It'll pay for a few other things, but for this purpose of this conversation, we'll talk about nursing home only. All right, so if you have a long-term care insurance policy, and let's say that policy pays out $100,000 in benefits, then and then you run out of money, and then you have to qualify for Medicaid, if your long-term care insurance policy is a state partnership policy, Medicaid says your spend-down amount is not $2,000. We're going to give you back and let you keep the 100000 that your policy paid out, and now your new spend-down policy amount, or uh, excuse me, your new spend-down amount is $102,000. So here's the question. <laughs> Would you rather keep 2000 or 102000 
it's it just it's make sure it's a state partnership policy plan. When is the right time to purchase long-term care insurance? I say age 55 plus or minus five years. Now, my friend Dave Ramsey, he recommends not until not up and until he says on your 60th birthday, you pull the trigger and you buy the plan. But I'm going to have to disagree with Dave. He's a great guy. But here's why you have to qualify with your health, with your good health to qualify. They do not have to issue uh, one of these plans. Pre-existing conditions matter in this type of special insurance coverage. Uh, so, so, I mean, you, you just, you, you have to, you have to have good health or relatively good health. And, and look, every year older that you become, statistically, you're at a higher risk for developing a health condition that may disqualify you from purchasing this long-term care insurance coverage. But, but Steve, I mean, what if I pay for it and I don't use it? I hear that. Oh my gosh. How many times do I hear that? Well, guess what? Then you just won the lottery. We should all be so fortunate. <laughs> Look, I pay for, I'm getting ready to pay a great big fat check for my car insurance, and I hope to goodness I don't have to use it. But if I need it, it will make me whole. It will reimburse me. I pay lots of money every year for my homeowner's insurance, and I hope to goodness I never need it. But if I need it, it will reimburse me. It'll make me whole. And here is a fact. 70% of us will need long-term care insurance. 70% of us. So the majority, look, go buy a policy. Get, have some peace of mind. And then the things that could disqualify you from coverage, you know, uh, having a previous cancer, even if it's really minor and successfully treated, uh, that that's a disqualifying uh, uh, issue. Uh, diabetes, here's a huge one. Uh, memory issues, Alzheimer's or dementia, you will be tested. Your memory will be tested before, by them before they'll issue this thing. This is serious stuff. Uh, kidney issues, uh, Parkinson's, there's a long list of very common issues that could disqualify you from um, from being covered. Uh, and then here are the, here's the percentage. So under age 50, only 7% of applications are declined. And then 50 to 59, that's the sweet spot that I recommend. 14% of uh, policies are declined. And then uh, age 60 to 69, now you're jumping up here, 23% of, uh, of uh, applications are declined. 70 to 79, you're looking at 45%. And then over 80, almost 70% of applications are declined. Uh, so, so, Buy it at the right time if you can, and you're not. If you're, you may not, you may not be too late. If you're over 55, it's okay, uh, and you want it, go go take a shot. Contact a qualified long-term care insurance specialist that can help you out with that. And the reason I wholeheartedly recommend it, I don't sell it, I don't make a penny, I just recommend it. The cost of long-term care is just so expensive. The vast majority of people just cannot uh, afford it, and so uh, that's uh, that's just a major issue. So look. We only have a couple minutes left in this segment. I was going to do a consumer, consumer alert. Uh, I'm just, I'm just going to just share a couple things with you and just get it off of my mind here. I've done it before and I'm going to do it again and I'm going to start to make a big deal out of this. And Mark, I'm going to try not to swear. You may have to hit the dump button over here because I get fired up about this stuff. Uh, so here is a, a, a little bit of a lighter version of a consumer alert, but I am calling for a complete ban on the use of cell phones in all senior care communities, make all of your people, every single one of them, no exceptions, leave 
the dang you see, I'm not swearing, Mark. I'm doing good so far. Leave them in the car. Okay, so I just stumbled into this doing some research. This particular community does a very good job, but it just goes to show you you're only as good as the next incident that one of your staff members uh, will will participate in. Long story short, you have two fairly young people. It's in the middle of the night. They helped a 90-year-old person to the bathroom. So what did they do? These idiots got out their cell phones and did a brief videotape of this person using the restroom. I don't know. What kind of screw do you have loose in your head where you would think that is funny? That is disgusting. In fact, I think that ought to be criminal. And I don't think it is, but I, I am hoping legislation is coming to make that act criminal they they put uh anyway they put these people are not the brightest bulbs uh in the pack they actually put the video on facebook and then someone saw it and anonymously turned them in thank goodness okay so this takes care of it don't allow cell phones in the building and you won't have the problem but steve that might cost me some good applicants well what is it going to cost you if that video makes it on the six o'clock and the ten o'clock news no more cell phones, smartphones, no more electronics in senior care communities. I'm challenging you, local health care professionals. I'm challenging you. We'll have a lot more right after the break. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by. 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information about this program and how we can help you and your family, uh, feel free to call our toll-free number literally anytime, 24-7. And here's the phone number. Write it down, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are always standing by to take your call, so call now or call anytime. Literally 24 hours. We've received calls in the middle of the night, so I am not even kidding. 1-800-331-6445. And don't forget, if you ever miss an episode uh, and you want to go back after the fact, or maybe you have a friend, you would like to hear the episode, no worries at all. Go to SeniorCareLive.com and click on the podcast tab, and you can go back and uh, and look for and listen to any of the previously aired episodes. It's really that simple. All right, now to my special guest today, Dr. Valerie Smith, Medical Director with Crossroads Hospice. And Dr. Smith, uh, welcome back to Senior Care Live. Thank you. It's wonderful to be back again. All right. All right. And, uh, and really enjoyed having you on last month. That was great. And I, I think this is a, uh, uh, you know, this, um, Let's see. Now, what is today? So, yeah, yesterday was the Go Red, you know, Go Red, uh, American mm-hmm. Heart uh, mm-hmm. Association and everything. Mm-hmm. So this is this is good, uh, you know, timely information. Uh, so we're going to be talking about heart disease and then heart disease specifically at end of life uh, and, and a lot of issues kind of around uh, those two things. So let's start off with 101. You know, let's talk about heart disease and what, what exactly is heart disease? 
Well, Steve, heart disease is a term, it's, a, it's an umbrella term. Yeah. And underneath this umbrella are different types of heart disease or things that cause heart disease. Um, cardiomyopathy, if you think of the term as cardio, is heart and myopathy is muscle. So there are diseases of the heart muscle. Mm-hmm. Also, the heart valves, there's disease of the heart valves. Um, also, cardiovascular disease, that is both the heart and those vessels and blood vessels, but it is considered, considered part of cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. And there's also um, arrhythmias. If you think about the heart rhythm, uh, you've heard the term possibly atrial fibrillation. Uh-huh. Yeah. That is also a type of heart disease. So those are different kinds of, of um, diseases underneath that umbrella of heart disease. You know, and... Uh- I'm I, I'm just I'm meeting more and more people, and they have uh, some of these diseases that are manageable, you know, by by medication. I know that when my my grandmother she fell in their home and fractured her neck uh, and survived that, but in the hospital, you know, she was checked out from stem to stern, you know, and uh, they discovered that uh, she had uh, CHF, uh, congestive heart failure, which is you know the fluid, and she didn't know she had it. And and so they said, hey, you're fine. You know, we can treat with that with the medications, keep the fluids down and that sort of thing. But uh, she was living with that and didn't even know it. It was probably a high, uh, excuse me, a mild heart disease at that point. Yeah, I think that it was early on because mm-hmm. they, they it, she didn't really have any of the symptoms, I don't think. so. Right. But they said, by the way, did you know you had CHF? She's like, what? <laughs> <You know? laughs> So that was a surprise, but uh, and how did she do with that? Did it progress any further than that? No, no. She she took uh, she took medications and really never had any issue with it, and and lived for a couple more years. So that's awesome. Some people, some people though, their heart disease does continue. Yeah, yeah. And it and it does progress to where it is in stage, and then they do eventually come on hospice. And then I I remember uh, you know going to the uh, uh, the hospital with my wife and they said you know there's probably not an issue but we'd like to take a look at your your heart valve uh, with you know the equipment and just make sure everything's fine we just want to be overly cautious and so it was really weird I'm sitting here with my wife and I'm watching this little flapper going pop 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 you know just just move and in in rhythm and it was actually fascinating it kind of freaked me out too but uh, that's a complicated muscle right there and that's it's really a miracle i think it absolutely is it sounds like you were watching them perform an echo um an echo on the heart which is the sonogram yep that's that's exactly and we i was just sitting there watching it and it kind of grossed me out a little bit because i'm you know but but it was also just fascinating to watch this it's it's the same technology they do with with babies yeah when they're when somebody's pregnant it's the same technology yeah yeah, very, very good. So, uh, what? Let's. Um, I, I'm a I'm a big prevention person. I I'm a medication minimalist. But if you need it, you need it. All right. So take it. Uh, but you know, what causes? Uh, what are some of the causes of heart disease? And then I think maybe that would lead to maybe some preventative measures. But what what are some of the causes of heart disease? Well, some of the causes of heart disease that we actually have control over um, would be habits such as smoking. Um, excessive alcohol use, mm. our diets that are high in fat um, and high in cholesterol. Those are the types of things that we have control over. Um, and smoking is, is the number one. So that's just super hard on your heart. Absolutely. With and the buildup of plaques that can form in the the vessels that supply the heart muscle itself. And those so, plaques can break off. Uh-huh. Oh, yep. And, uh, okay, so here we are, some more heart stuff. So, uh, I, I had one of those, um, 
Oh, I forgot. It was a calcium score. I yes. think calcium deposit score. Mm-hmm. It's like 50 bucks and you go in. It takes 30 minutes. Why wouldn't you do that every once in a while just to see? And zero means there's nothing there. And I've had two zeros in a row. So I'm, I, I was excited about that. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Yeah. So, okay. And then, uh, yeah, what does, uh, heart disease look like at the, at the end of life? So, uh, I'm sure this is something that you probably, you know, see all the time working with Crossroads Hospice. Oh, at the end of life, when, when somebody has progressing heart disease, they're going to find themselves in the hospital more often with uh, more frequent exacerbations of their symptoms. So at first they might have been in the hospital two times a year, and then after that it starts maybe like every other month, mm-hmm. and then it's every month, yeah. and then it's every couple of weeks. And it, it's just that the cycle, it speeds up. Mm-hmm. And that's what the end-stage heart disease starts to look like all right so true to form i I just saw this happen uh, with one of my clients and her dad uh, had to go in and get two more stints put in so he's up to four Um, and then gosh a week later he's an independent living so there's no dietary control so he ate some chinese food high salt level Mm -hmm. and a corned beef sandwich earlier that day high salt level and guess what the next day he's in the hospital uh, and it's, it's just a circular door in and out of the hospital, and it's been with more and more frequency. It's exactly what you just described. Mm-hmm. And it, you can sometimes educate to the point of where you've just said the same thing, what you just said over and over again. Yeah. And um, sometimes we just make choices. Yep. And <laughs> knowing that that choice is going to cause me to have swollen feet tomorrow or oh, my boy. legs, and depending on how bad my heart disease might be, it could throw me into an exacerbation of what we call congestive heart failure. Mm. Yeah, and, and and his daughter yelled at him, and he wasn't very nice, or he, or he didn't think that was very nice. But she's like, I mean, do I have to be there, to, you know, for your, you know, for your meals? He's like, well, I wanted a corned beef sandwich, so you know, I mean, what do you do with? What can you do? I guess you really can't do much with about that. I mean, if someone wants something and they know the risks, I guess they're just going to take the consequences, I guess, of the decision. That's that's exactly right. We all have those consequences from, from whatever we choose to do. Free um, will and free choice. So. That is. But sometimes, you know, some pe- sometimes people think that medicine can fix everything. Yeah. I'll have a corned beef sandwich and I'll take two of those pills and <laughs> I'll just go to the bathroom a few more times. That's tonight. right. Uh, not I'll- necessarily. <laughs> So what are what are some of the uh, uh, common uh, symptoms? Some of the common symptoms of end-stage heart disease um, could be chest pain. We call that angina, or some people will pronounce it angina. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is chest pain that's caused by the, um, the heart vessel spasming, or they are getting becoming occluded from all the plaques. Mm. And so that's, that's the chest pain. And you'll hear people say sometimes they take their nitro pill for that. Uh-huh. And, and that's what that would be used for. So is, is that, I've heard that pain described as kind of a sharp stabbing pain. Is that, does that describe that properly? That, that's what people have described to me. It's not that elephant on the chest pain. It's yeah. more of a sharp pain. It's more of an ice pick, mm-hmm. kind of kind of sticking you there a little bit. It's uh, with those, uh, yeah, and, and that's how I've, and I think that's important because you hear all kinds of people say, well, I heard him talk about, you know, jaw pain on Oprah today, and that made me, and I never knew that was a heart attack symptom, and I had jaw pain the next day. And I, So, I mean, I love talking about these things so mm-hmm. that if someone notices that sharp, that sharp pain, you know, hey, we need, we need to look, 
pay attention to that and, and get that taken care of, right. or at least looked into. And it, it may actually radiate to the left shoulder as you're talking, just the, the jaw also down the left arm too. Um, if it persists and it's something that somebody wasn't diagnosed with before, then definitely that would be something to go to the emergency room and have checked out. Okay. All right. Any other uh, symptoms that uh, we want to kind of reach there, or talk about? There are lots of different symptoms that people could have. They may not have every one of these symptoms, but depending on what the etiology of their heart disease is, they might have some of these dizziness and lightheadedness. Uh, just if the heart muscle's not pumping effectively, then there's not enough oxygen going to the brain. That makes oh, sense there. Yeah, yeah. Um, heart palpitations. Some people will feel heart palpitations. You can kind of hear it. Uh, a little feel quiver. It, a little quiver sometimes. Like sometimes. Fluttering. Like that. Yeah. Uh, increased shortness of air with just minimal exertion, just just talking. Somebody's going to be short of air. That that's, is that's pretty end stage at that point. That's very abnormal, and you're like, oh, that's that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as you discussed earlier, the swelling of the feet after you've had excessive salt intake, and sometimes you don't even have to have excessive salt intake if you have truly end stage heart failure. The heart muscle just isn't pumping well enough. And that swelling is just the side effect. And then you're just going to hold on to fluid, and then now you've got you know, you got the problem, salt or no salt. Correct. And sometimes, eventually, diuretics just don't um, effectively take that fluid off. Not and there are some, some people with end-stage um, heart disease that end up on dialysis to get the extra fluid off. Oh, wow. Okay. All right, Dr. Valerie Smith, Medical Director with Crossroads Hospice. We're going to continue our conversation right after the break about heart disease at uh, at the later stages and at end of life. Uh, and, and then another option uh, besides the hospice services, we're going to touch on that uh, towards the end of the program as well. Reach out to Crossroads at 816-333-9200, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll-free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information about this program and how we can help you and your family, call our toll-free number anytime. That's 1-800-331-6445. Again, 1-800-331-6445. Back to special guest today, Dr. Valerie Smith, Medical Director with Crossroads Hospice. And look, if if this is resonating with you and you're like, you know, I, I think I need more information about that, or, or I, I want to reach out to Crossroads and just, just talk about our situation, here's the phone number. Crossroads is absolutely awesome. They cover the Northland, the Missouri side, the Kansas side of the state line. They do have a Kansas number. I'm going to give you the main number, and they can connect you with Kansas if you are on the Kansas side. But here it is, and be sure to write this down, One eight, excuse me, 816 816- Three 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 ninety two hundred. That's the local number. Eight one six three 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 ninety two hundred. All right, Doctor Smith. Uh, how are the symptoms managed in the end stage of heart disease? Well, on hospice, we have available twenty four seven care. Not meaning care in the home, but meaning that if somebody is having symptoms, they can call our number 
and they will be in touch with um, a registered nurse. Mm-hmm. And at this point, the nurse will be asking questions um, about what their symptoms are. And if they have the medications in the home, they might give them directions right there on what to take. Mm-hmm. But if this is something where the patient or the patient's family is uncomfortable with what's going on, then we can send um, an RN, a, a nurse, out to do a home visit at that point mm-hmm. and do an evaluation of the symptoms. And if the medications are there, go ahead and mi- administer medications. Let's just say they're having increased shortness of air, mm-hmm. and it's due to the fluid is building up at yeah. that point. So we can either get direction to take more diuretics. If they need to call the patient's physician, they can do that at that time mm-hmm. uh, to get that order. If the order's already there, then they can go ahead and administer those things. Uh, sometimes it's just anxiety mm-hmm. um, because yeah. they're, they're just they're, they're things that are going on in their, in their body that they're not sure what's going on. They're anxious, and at that, in, at that time, then that nurse can administer some medication that we use for anxiety. Kind of take the edge off of that. Absolutely take the edge off. Sometimes it's just putting some oxygen on. Yeah. And that will help at that point. Um, so, again, as we talked about, we have nurses available. So different medications that we would use for the, for the angina pain, we would use nitro. We just do that as needed for the chest pain. We also use uh, morphine. Morphine is a scary word, but if somebody has an acute coronary syndrome and they're going into the ER, that's going to be one of the first medications they get along with the nitro and the aspirin mm-hmm. is, is going to be some morphine. So we use that quite often for chest pain that's associated with in-stage heart disease. And with that level of support, you're probably going to avoid a trip to the ER, or, or you may many times. On hospice, we try to avoid ER. Yeah. We, we actually become the 911. Okay, yeah. Well, and it sounds like it, because like you said, if you go to the ER, you're going to get all this. Well, this is just done for you in your home. And that's the reason people go on hospice many times is because they really don't want to go back to the hospital yeah. anymore. Yeah, L- leave me at home, and if you can bring it to me, that's perfect. Make me comfortable. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what does a typical day look like for someone with end-stage heart disease? Uh, Well, well, somebody with end-stage heart disease, um, they probably have slept most of the evening, if not all the evening, in the recliner because they cannot cannot breathe effectively when they're lying flat. We call that orthopnea. So many times they are going to be sleeping in the recliner. So your head needs to be up. Their head is elevated somewhat, and their legs are usually elevated, too, okay. because if we remember, mm-hmm. we talked about all the edema and the yep. swelling that goes on, so that we try to keep legs elevated also. Um, so they would not have been sleeping effectively, so they're going to be tired. They didn't sleep well. They have some insomnia. Um, you're also going to see that there's, that many times they're homebound at in-state, not because they have to be homebound, but they just don't have the energy to get out. Yep. Many times they are on oxygen. Not all the time, but many times they're on oxygen. Um, their appetite tends to dwindle. They have a poor appetite. It just takes a lot of effort, and, and it, just, it just wears them out to eat at that point. Minimal exertion, just, just walking to, you know, just getting up out of bed causes yeah. such extreme fatigue. Mm. Yeah, that, that, would be, that would be terrible. Uh, so, so, that's, so, so it's not a pretty picture, but, uh, you know, thank goodness that you know, treatment and support is available in the home. Uh, if we are describing your situation uh, as, as one of our listening, uh, uh, listening audience today and, and, you're, and you don't have the assistance, reach out to Crossroads and, and they'll, they'll visit with you and talk to you about qualifications. We're going to talk about uh, another pre-hospice service uh, here in just a second. You're one, you're going to definitely want to hear about that, but Crossroads Hospice, 816-333-9200. So, uh, Dr. Smith, when is hospice appropriate? Hospice is appropriate when the patient has what we call a prognosis of six months or less of, of life left. And that's determined by looking at the medical records um, and examination of the patient 
and um, consulting with the patient's primary care physician or cardiologist. Okay, and uh, how, how does someone qualify for hospice uh, if, if they do have heart disease? If they have heart disease, we need to look at somebody who is being optimally treated for this heart disease. That's usually with their um, medications that maybe treat their blood pressure, their heart rhythm, uh, with diuretics. And they also have to be symptomatic at rest or with just minimal activity. Okay, so there are some specifics that they would need to uh, hit on that qualification, but I, I would imagine there are a lot of people who actually qualify for hospice services. It's a tremendous amount of extra support. It is covered by Medicare, and, and they don't even know that they qualify. So I, I'm so glad to be uh, to be covering this. Now, if someone needs more help with symptom management, but let's say they don't meet that hospice criteria, uh, you know, maybe they're in their last couple of years, not in their last six months, or they don't hit one of those triggers, uh, can, you, can you help them? Yes. Crossroads actually has a program called Palliative Care. So now we, we've, we are Crossroads Hospice and Palliative Care. Palliative Care is symptom management. Simply that, it is symptom management. We're not trying to cure anything. What we have are nurse practitioners that when somebody is enrolled into the palliative care program, we'll go to the patient's home, we'll do an exam, and evaluation, look at their medical record, and uh, decide which symptoms need palliation. If it's, the, if it's the congestive heart failure, then at that point we would put them on monitoring for weights and calls probably to find out you know, if they're gaining weight, if they're water weight, and then we work with the patient's primary care physician for any new orders that might need to be had at that point. So, so you're you're working with someone in symptom management, and uh, and and again, it, is this also covered by Medicare? It is covered by Medicare. It's a little bit different. It's not uh, covered underneath the same as the hospice benefit, but it would be more like a doctor's visit. Okay, all right, and, and so, but but that is service. Uh, that's a tremendous uh, level uh, of service, and and. Uh, in service providers, in, in symptom management, and the medication, and, and all of this oversight delivered to you in your home. In the home. And if you think about something, if, if let's just go off the, off the topic of heart disease. Let's just say if you have COPD, which is lung disease. Um, many times people end up in the ER and are hospitalized for what we call COPD exacerbations. Mm-hmm. If they had had a nurse practitioner that could come out to see them almost emergently, then they could get put on something like prednisone to keep them from having to go to the hospital and be admitted in the first place. Same thing with heart failure. Somebody gets out there, a nurse practitioner out to see the patient. If they need extra diuretics to keep them out of the hospital, that's what this does. Excellent. That is wonderful. And then, uh, Doctor, we only have just literally a few more seconds, but if someone thinks they may, uh, may be ready for hospice, what do they do? If somebody thinks that they're ready for hospice, they can call Crossroads Hospice and we can have them evaluated. A physician does not have to refer them to be evaluated. Now, to actually come on to hospice, then they would have to qualify and we would usually ask their physician for an order. All right. Excellent. Thank you so much, Dr. Smith. Reach out to Crossroads Hospice, 816-333-9200. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. To everyone listening, I'm honored you spent part of your day tuning into this program. Thank you so much. I'm your host, Steve Kieker, and I wish you grace and peace. May God bless you and your family on this day and always. I'll see you next week right here on Senior Care Live.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.